Thank you both uh, for leading us so, so far in the service. Thank you to everyone who's made it uh, possible to meet together and to heat the place, kind of, um, and light and all of that. Thank you so much for, for keeping us safe and for in, enabling us to, to join together to worship God in this way. Uh, and as we do, we're going to continue uh, in our, our Advent series um, as we prepare ourselves for Christmas. And yes, we do that with carols. We do that with, this, with the familiarity that some of us may know from celebrating Christmas for a number of years. But we do that primarily as we turn to God's Word again. And we hear these wonderful truths of why Christmas is so important. In fact, why Christmas is crucial for us if we're to know God and live for him. And that's what Advent helps us to do. It helps us to prepare for Christmas as we wait for the arrival uh, to celebrate Jesus' birth. And so that's what we're doing. Last week, I, I introduced our, our series for uh, Advent this year by uh, th- considering an alternative to that well-known statement, all I want for Christmas is... Okay. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I was expecting a you. Um, oh, this this well-known Christmas. I wonder how you would finish that statement. How you personally this year would finish that statement. I suppose this has been sparked by these books, um, Rico Tice's little books that we're encouraging you to take, to read, and then to give to someone who doesn't know Jesus yet this Christmas. As he considers what people really want for Christmas, but actually what people truly need. And Rico uses these four titles. I wonder would these four uh, land on your list of hope. All you want for Christmas this year is hope, is peace, is purpose, is confidence. Uh, And there may well be many other suggested ways to try to find those four things. But what we're going to enjoy through God's word is, as Jonathan has rightly said, thank you, is that when we consider hope, peace, purpose, confidence, those things and many more are only and truly found in Jesus Christ. And therefore, rather than singing along with all I want for Christmas is, what we really need to say is, all I need for Christmas is Jesus. Because all we need for every day is Jesus. And so that's what we're hoping to see uh, as we journey through these four things. Hope, peace, purpose, confidence. And last week we began uh, by thinking about how the Christmas account shows us that we can have true and lasting and eternal hope. Because Christmas shows us that we can have hope in a God who saves Hope in the God who keeps his promises and hope in the God who comes to us. And knowing that, that Jesus is coming to this earth, that faith and trust in him then gives us hope, lasting, eternal, secure hope. And today we want to move on and consider that second theme of what Jesus' birth demonstrates to us about how we can have peace. And Jack and Jonathan have already led us so well this morning in considering peace. I wonder, I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of peace. I wonder how you would even define peace. I think peace is one of those terms that's sometimes easier to understand in the absence of it. Or, or what, the, what peace is the absence of, should I say. So peace, sometimes we may think peace is the absence of war. It's the absence of conflict. It's the absence of anxiety. It's the absence of disorder and chaos. Peace is the opposite of those things. And those things are right, of course, that's a good way to think of it. And yet then when we come to the biblical concept of peace, the the Christmas account shows us, indeed all of scripture shows us, that biblical godly peace actually runs even deeper than those things. Peace, according to scripture, is not just the absence of something, but peace, as we'll see, as we already heard, the angels pronounce to the shepherds that peace is given, peace is brought 
Peace isn't just achieved when something is taken away. Peace comes in the person of Jesus Christ. So peace can be granted. Peace can be bestowed. And that granting of peace is a truly transformative thing. It is not just an emotion that we feel for a season. No, it is a, a deep, soul-changing reality. It's a, it's a change of a state of being when we know true biblical peace. The, the Old Testament Hebrew used the term shalom. Many of us may know that term, shalom. That, that's translated into English as peace. And it has this concept of being made whole again, being made right again, flourishing, being complete shalom. And the Greek New Testament then picks up on that sense in its term Irene or Irene or it's actually where we get the English name Irene from. If you know any Irenes, you can say hello to them, uh, knowing that their name means peace. Irene, it's that sense again of wholeness, of, of fullness, of harmony, of oneness. That's the peace that the angels pronounce in Luke 2.14 as we're going to read in a minute. And so, of course, we can think of all of these other understandings of peace which are good, but when we think of biblical peace, in its purest form, as is everything in its purest form, is only and truly and most fully demonstrated in God himself. And so we see God described, particularly in lots of the New Testament letters, as the God of peace. It's who he is. And it's certainly what he brings to us when we trust in him. So let's consider this God of peace and let's consider how peace comes to us at Christmas. Look with me if you can at Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read, <clears throat> again, one of these potentially well-known passages that we turn to often as we celebrate and remember Christmas. Um, if you have a copy of God's Word, please turn there to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, and there happens to be one of those red hardback, book, uh, hardback Bibles around you in the chairs, please take that. Uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word at home, keep that one, that red back, red, I mean, Take somebody else's if you want, if they give it to you. But certainly take one of those red hardback ones and, and have a copy of God's Word. That would be a wonderful gift that we could give to you at Christmas. Um, Luke chapter 2. We're going to read from verses 8 uh, through to verse 20. So Luke chapter 2. And we're joining in this story, uh, the, the, the narrative of the first Christmas after the birth of Jesus has already taken place, which is recorded in verses 1 to 7. But then verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And Father, we pray that as we have 
read your word as we now turn to focus on what you may be saying to us. Father, would you speak powerfully by your spirit, we pray, for your glory alone. Amen. This is a a wonderful passage. It's certainly one of my favorite uh, nativity Christmas passages as we see the angels come to give the good news of great joy that today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. And then we see these heavenly voices declare the wonderful, this this throng of angels make this proclamation to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. In other words, God is the only one, the rightful recipient of all glory, of all praise. He is king of kings, Lord of lords. Glory to him in the highest heaven and glory to him because he has sent his son into the world. The coming of Jesus and that coming of Jesus ushers in peace to those on whom his favor rests, to those who know God's pleasure. And so here we have peace in Jesus' coming. But, but what does it mean? Well, as we see here and throughout other portions of Scripture, faith in Jesus Christ brings peace in one crucial way, which then is an overflow into at least two other areas of life. And so today, the primary way that we're going to see that is that Jesus brings peace with God, peace in our relationship with God Almighty. And then when we know that secure, spiritual, eternal peace, then that overflows into peace with others and peace with ourselves. And those are the things that we're going to look at this morning. But the primary place, as I said, the primary peace which causes the other two is peace with God. And so I I wanted to say, because... A lot of you know that, that I love a good three-point sermon. Th- this is not necessarily a three-point sermon. This is a one-point sermon with two outcomes. We have peace with God. And so you can't go home and over lunch discuss which of the three you would prefer. No, peace with God flows out into peace with others and peace with ourselves. And so let's consider this wonderful eternity-shaping, history-shaping way in which Jesus coming, come, Jesus' coming to earth brings peace with God. So how do, we, how do we know that? How do we obtain it? Jack already read this wonderful verse for us from Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know peace with God? There it is in one sentence. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can see here the cause of peace, the source of peace. We have peace with God, the second half of that verse says, because we have been justified through faith. And so in other words, we have peace with God because we have been justified through faith because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I realize we've spoken of this wonderful truth. Uh, It seems like it's been on repeat for us the last few weeks. We finished our Philippians, or took a break from Philippians at the end of November, thinking about this, this wonderful salvation message of how Jesus comes to justify and then he sanctifies, if you want to go back and listen to that one. And we saw it last week as we celebrated the God who saves. But as we think about how we can be justified before God, this is never a message we should tire of. This is the good news that causes great joy for all the people. And so when we think of how we can be justified and how that justification provides peace with God, this is something we should celebrate. At Christmas, yes, but every single day of our lives if we're trusting in Christ. You see, we, we, we can't 
fully appreciate the, the wonder and the majesty of Christmas, of Jesus coming. God with us, Emmanuel. We can't fully appreciate that until we realize why he came. We saw it last week, didn't we, in Matthew one twenty one, when the angel is talking to Joseph. And he says that Mary, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came in order to save. That's what it means to be justified then. To be saved from your sins is to be justified, to be declared right before God. God who is the righteous, eternal judge. See, God himself is the one who justifies. Because without Jesus, we carry our own sin. As Jack mentioned earlier, Paul goes on in Romans 5 to say that we were enemies of God. It's not, there's, there's an incredible depth. And, and if we're honest, a terrifying depth to that reality, isn't there? Of being an enemy of God. Yet, we can know peace with God. Because he can declare us righteous. But until we turn to him, until we turn to him in in repentance and faith and claim the salvation that Jesus has offered to us, we carry our own sin into the courtroom of heaven. Where the righteous judge will then rightly put us under his wrath for all eternity. And, And try as we may. And many of us do, all of us do, don't we? We try to remove that stain of sin from our own lives. We try to be better. We try to treat people nicer. We we try to pay back the debt to God that our sin incurs, but we can't on our own. We can't. Not just because we don't have the ability, but actually we can't cosmically. We have sinned against the holy God. That's not something that we can make right ourselves. No, and knowing that, The loving heavenly father, the righteous judge, the one who we sinned against, he sent his son. He stepped into humanity in the the person of Jesus so that he would die on the cross. We'll celebrate this later as we gather around the table. He takes the penalty that's ours. And that's why, as we read last week from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. And so for those who believe in Jesus Christ, for those who repent of their sin, which means turning from his sin, turning to him, then we can know sin's forgiven. We can know life eternal. And all of that is possible because we are declared right. We are made justified before the holy judge. And that justification then means we don't have a penalty to pay. Christ has paid it. And therefore, we are no longer enemies of God. We are welcomed as friends. We are welcomed as sons and daughters of the king. We, as as the angels say, we know his favor. We should know his wrath. But because of his love and his mercy, we know his favor when we come to him. Isaiah prophesied about this in a couple of chapters before the one that Jack read for us. In Isaiah 53 Speaking of the suffering Savior who would come, Isaiah said, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. 
See, see the, the way that we are justified is by his punishment. But that punishment should be on us. But because of God's love and mercy and sovereign grace, he has placed that punishment on Christ so that when we come to him in faith, we stand under his righteousness because we are, our sins have been taken from us. That legal charge sheet is clear. Because Christ, the sinless one, died in our place. Took the wrath of God upon himself. This is peace with God. This is shalom that is offered to us in the person of Christ. This is harmony with God. This is a restoration of what God, of the relationship that God, that God had with his people in the beginning. Genesis 1 and 2, favor. This is peace with God. And how do we know it? We know it. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray this morning that you know that peace. I pray that you know that peace. In other words, I pray that you know the joy of your sins forgiven. And if not, can I invite you to come to him this morning? There is no better time than right now to come to him. Know his forgiveness. Know his grace. Recognize your sin. Confess that to him. He has died in your place already. Come before him. Turn from that sin. Turn to him. Trust in him as your Lord and your Savior. And allow him by his spirit to direct every movement of your life. That is a life of peace with God. Many of us know that peace. May we live in the joy and the comfort that that peace brings. This is good news. This brings great joy. And it's why Jesus came, that we may have peace with God. And as I mentioned earlier, that, that peace with God that then does flow out into how we live our lives and how we interact with others. And so many of us would love to see a, a, a more lived out experience of peace in our world, wouldn't we? Whether that's on a global scale, possibly you're, you're continuing to lament with our Ukrainian brothers and sisters as to the situation they're living in. And we pray for peace. Maybe it's on a local level, a, a family level, a, a work level with you as you look around and see conflict and see tension. As you think about the family events and, and gatherings that are coming up and it, it doesn't necessarily fill you with excitement as you ponder the, the hurt and the pain that has been caused and the, the, the peace that you long for into some of those settings. And so we long for peace with others. And maybe some of us, even this morning, are sitting longing for peace with ourselves, peace internally. That, that, that we, we wish we could, we could somehow better handle the, the, the real and pressing anxieties of life, the, the confusion, the doubts, the questions, the, the storms that are raging within our minds at times. Oh, that we would know peace. In other words, we long to see peace with others and peace with ourselves. And so can it be, that Jesus is all we need for those things? Yes. Yes. Now, now I realize that there's a very risk, that, that there, there's a real risk that that can sound flippant coming from me. Is Jesus the answer? Yes, he is. He is the Prince of Peace. I wholeheartedly believe that because that, that's the truth of what the Bible says that he comes to bring peace, that we can cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Jesus is indeed all we need. But that truth 
that Jesus is all we need, it in no way glosses over some of the very deep and real pain that many of us are carrying. It doesn't gloss over the difficulties that are wrapped up in our thinking about peace with others and peace with ourselves. And, and so stick with me, please, as we hear how this wonderful news that God offers peace can impact our relationships with others and our relationship even with ourselves. You see, we can rightly say that Jesus is the answer to these conflicts and to our need for peace. Because as we've seen, the biggest issue that we will ever face, can ever face, is our standing before God. Jesus brings peace there. That is the primary place where we need peace. And that is where he brings it. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly. And then when we know that peace, when we come to him in repentance and faith, when we are justified before him, therefore knowing that peace that he brings, our whole lives are transformed. We see this transformation in the, life, the lives of the shepherds, don't we? Can we go back and read Luke 2 and see how the shepherds' lives are transformed by encountering Jesus? Let me read and begin reading, picking it up from verse 15. So the angels have given their wonderful declaration in verse 14 and then verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You see, the shepherds hear this news. They hear this great news and they go. They leave the fields and go. And understandably so. Remember, this is good news of great joy. So they go. And then they meet Mary, Joseph, and of course, they encounter Jesus. And when they do, they cannot keep quiet about this baby, about what has been told them about this baby. They spread the word in verse 17. Everyone who hears it is amazed, verse 18. And they return to their fields glorifying and praising God, verse 20. They, they, these shepherds, in a word, they have been, they've been impacted by encountering Jesus, haven't they? In fact, impacted doesn't seem strong enough. They have been transformed by encountering Jesus. And, and that's what happens when we, anyone, encounters Jesus, when we recognize him for who he is, when we see him as our Savior and our Lord, we are transformed by him. The, the shepherds somehow have, have become captivated by Jesus, by what has been told them about this child. It has gripped their heart. They, he is now the focus of their lives. They hear him. They hear of him, sorry. They encounter him. They tell of him. They worship him with all their lives. In a sense, that, that's, that's how all of us respond to Jesus, isn't it? We hear of him and his wonderful good news, his saving work in our lives. We encounter him by coming to him, laying ourselves at, at the foot of the cross, confessing our sins before him, claiming him as our Lord and our Savior. Then we tell of him. We worship him with all of our lives. And we will do for all eternity. We are transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. But, but what does that transformation have to do with peace? Well, can I go back even further to verse 11? And the announcement that the angels make in verse 11, that today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. See, the, the reason Jesus transforms us is because of the titles that we see here. He is Savior, He is Messiah, 
We've seen that already. He's the one who saves. He is the one who brings peace. And then he is Lord. He is Lord. See, essentially this means that Jesus is master. He is ruler. Jesus is in charge. And so for anyone who trusts in him as their, as their savior, we also trust in him as our Lord. He, he's worthy to be worshipped and obeyed because, of course, his story doesn't end in the manger. We know this, don't we? We've seen this in recent weeks, that he grew into adulthood. He, he demonstrated that perfect life of obedience to the word of God. He then died on the cross. He then rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. He's now ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're told in Ephesians 1, 21 to 23, that Christ is now far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked. Christ is Lord. He is King sovereignly over the whole universe. He is reigning eternally and will do. He is Lord. This is our Savior. This is Him. And so when we come to Him as our Savior and bow before Him as our Lord, then we can know the incredible comfort and trust that we worship and serve the God of the universe who ultimately is always in control. And therefore, when we, when we look at the world around us and we see the need for peace and we pray rightfully for it, yes, we recognize that we pray to the God who is sovereignly in control, who can bring peace. He, he is greater than any world leader. He is greater and has more power and dominion than any authority on this planet. And so we, when we trust in him as our Lord, we can pray as we, read or as we heard earlier. We can cast our anxieties on him because he cares. But we can also cast our anxieties on him because he's big enough to carry them. He is Savior and Lord. And so our, our lives are transformed by coming to Jesus because we claim him as our Lord. And goodness, doesn't that give us trust? And confidence in a world that needs it. When we see chaos around us, we trust in the God who reigns. And likewise, as we trust him as Lord, that means our whole lives are devoted to him. So uh, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If you do want to go back to the very end of November where we dealt with Philippians 2, 12 and 13, we talked about how God is at work in us. He is continuing to work out salvation in us. It was a process which the Bible calls sanctification. God works in us when, we, when he saves us. He doesn't save us, call us, and, and claim us justified and then leave us until he sees us again in eternity. No, he continues to work. He indwells us by his spirit, transforming us more and more and more into the likeness of his son. And as he does that, then the fruit of the spirit of the the. the, the the products of the Spirit's work in our lives then become visible. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can you see, as, as we are transformed by His Spirit and our lives then display that kind of fruit, then we will know peace in our relationships with others, certainly more of it. Greater patience, not our own because we've become better people, but the Lord's patience. Self-control. Goodness, don't we need that at times when our mouths are quick to speak? Love, joy, kindness, goodness. And so we, 
let me explain. We, we can't determine how people respond to us and act towards us. So, so, so you may be in a conflict situation which, which you can't control, but the way you respond, yeah, that can be controlled. And as we, as we develop, as the Spirit moves in our lives, transforming us more and more so that we display the fruit of that Spirit, goodness, don't we become peacemakers? Or at least seek to be? And so we have this wonderful transforming spirit in our lives. Now, when we think of peace with others, that's one thing. Peace with ourselves, the same transformation is true. Okay, so, so Christ is our savior. So we have the confidence and assurance of our eternal home secured with him, which then gives us a, a renewed understanding of this present life, that this is not all that we have to be about. And so the expectations of others become less of importance because we care about the kingdom. But, but that in no way means that we still don't struggle. Some of us don't struggle with anxieties and conflicts and therefore the need for peace. And so can, can I say, and this is an aside, but can I say that, that God has granted us one another. He has granted us others to, to help when we can't see his path of peace for ourselves. So, so what I mean by this is, yes, he has given us the church to, to encourage one another. And there may be times when, you are, when all of us are, are so deeply embedded in a lack of peace that, that we can't see his truth, the truth that never changes, by the way, but we can't see it. And so he sometimes works supernaturally by his spirit to open our eyes, yes. Sometimes he works then through a brother or sister to come alongside and say, can I walk this through with you? Can I show you how God is going to help that? And sometimes he will work as I have experienced and others have experienced, through the help of someone who, who, who is professionally trained and biblically trained to help us see God's good word. And so the reason I say all of that is I'm not saying that if we're struggling with peace with ourselves, that then uh, Jesus is the answer in some trite way. Jesus is the answer. And the way that we see him is through his word. And the way that we see him in his word is sometimes by his spirit opening our eyes to see it. Sometimes it's by a brother or sister showing us. Sometimes it's then by a specially trained therapist or counselor to help us see that too. But it is always his word, right? It is always his good truth. It is always his path to peace. So I suppose I just, I want us to know that I'm not saying that peace with Christ means that none of us ever struggle. But when we struggle, God has provided a way. When we struggle, we may need the help of, of someone outside of us and someone outside of the church, and, uh, uh, and he, he, hel he helps in that way. Does that make sense? I've waffled a bit, haven't I? Let's move on. Peace with God, that's the primary thing. Everything flows from that. Peace with God. That is the one thing that we all need to get sorted. Jesus has sorted that for us, so we must come to him. I, I plead with you, if you don't know him as your Lord and your Savior, come to him. And from that, as he works in our lives, we may experience peace with others. We may experience peace with ourselves. As he takes more control of our heart and our life. As he moves in us. As we lay ourselves and surrender ourselves before his word, his will, his ways. We stop battling against ourselves, stop battling against the world. Right now, let's trust in our Savior. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our Savior. 
He is, as Isaiah said, the Prince of Peace. His kingdom will never end. And so trusting him for our salvation does bring peace with God. His sacrifice is enough to take the penalty of our sin. It is complete. And therefore we can be justified before God and therefore no peace with God. He also, of course, brings peace with others as he transforms our hearts as we become more loving and gracious and kind and forgiving. We may know peace in our relationships with those around us. Like I said, if that's not reciprocated, sometimes there's very little we can control, but we can control our reactions as followers of Jesus. And he brings peace with ourselves as we learn to live in the light of eternity, assured of our position as a son or a daughter of the king, that he is the one who brings peace as the prince of peace. And so hopefully you can see from God's word this morning that it is indeed true that all we need for Christmas is Jesus. Because all we need for every day is Jesus. He is Savior. He is Messiah. He is Lord. He is Prince of Peace. Can I finish our time this morning by reflecting on the the benediction at the end of Hebrews? Hebrews 13. And I'll just read this and then we'll close. But this is one of the occasions in the New Testament where God is, is termed the God of Peace. Let me read Hebrews 13, beginning verse 20. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, we pray that this would be so. Thank you. Thank you that you you have provided the way, even though you were the one who we wronged with our sin and we continue to wrong with our sin, you are the one who has provided a way for salvation from it, from salvation from the punishment of sin. Thank you, Father, that you have provided a way. And you did so by becoming human. God with us, taking on flesh, dwelling among us. Father, we praise you again that as we recognize and celebrate Christmas, we also see the reason for your coming. Thank you that in your sovereign salvation plan, this was always the way. You knew you would come. You knew you would send your son. You knew that he would die on the cross and take the penalty of the sin of the world upon himself. You knew that he would rise from the grave. You knew that he would reign victorious forever. And so we praise you, Father. Thank you that in your grace and in your mercy, you have chosen some of us who know you and trust you already. You have chosen us to know peace with you. Oh, we praise you, Father. We recognize, God, that without you, we are lost. And so since we have been justified, Since we know peace with you, God, we pray that our lives would be more and more transformed by your spirit as we we lay down more and more of ourselves and and, and trust you more and more, obey you in greater ways, root ourselves in your word more deeply. Therefore, Father, our lives are transformed by your grace as your spirit is at work in us and, and therefore the fruit of that 
of that work of, of his work in our lives becomes evident. Father, I pray that, that as that continues, that we would be indeed people of peace, that we would be at peace with those that we're able to be. And Father, that, that, that those concerns and anxieties and doubts and, that can wage war in our own minds and hearts, Father, that we would trust in you and be able to see your wonderful truth. Father, I do pray for those of us who long for peace in the situations where we can't bring it. Father, where there is conflict, where there is tension. Father, we pray that, that, that we will be faithful with what we can do. And Father, that we would trust you with the rest. Thank you, God, for your loving embrace of us. Thank you that as we celebrate Christmas, we're once again reminded of this wonderful truth that you are indeed hope. You bring hope and that you bring peace. You are our mighty God. You are our Prince of Peace. And so we trust in you, Father. Help us, we pray. In your wonderful name.